welcome to the Guitar Omni Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. I'm here with Eric Mann. He's the executive director of the Cleveland Classical Guitar Society. How are you, Eric? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm good. It's good to see you again. Um, and again, congratulations. Kudos. Much, much kudos uh, to what's going on there in Cleveland. I think the, uh, the, the Guitar Society there has really, really done some amazing stuff. How, how long have you been the executive director? Well, I've been leading the organization since 2009. Okay. Um, I started out as president of the board of directors. Um, at the time, we didn't have an executive director because we uh, didn't have any employees. We didn't we didn't have staff. We didn't really have a budget, actually. Right. <laughs> so a few years later, I became the executive director as the first uh, actual staff member. Okay. And how long had the society been around before you got involved in? Sure. It was formed in 2002. Okay. Um, yeah. And I was uh, on the original board, um, stepped, stepped off the board for, um, for a few years, and then was asked if I wanted to lead the organization. Um, at the time, just an all-volunteer organization. Sure. A few hundred dollars in somebody's shoebox. And, <laughs> and I said, sure. Get, why not give it a shot? Yeah, that's that's very cool. And so what what do you think what's what's the secret? How did you how did you grow the organization from that situation to a situation that you have now where, you know, you're 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 an employee, you're a full-time employee of the society, you have a staff, you have a budget, you're doing all sorts of community outreach, um, the concert series, you're getting like the, the top players in the world in for that. So, um how how did how did that process go? And, and to me, it seemed like you did that very quickly, too. I, I don't I might, you know, it might just be my perception from, you know, getting the mailings and being a couple hours down the road, whatnot. But it just seems like, wow, that happened fast, you know? Yeah, it, it did um, sort of happen fast. We've been um, just on a continual growth rate um, ever since. Um, and I, uh, well, I'm not sure. It's just sort of happened. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, uh, did you do that? Like, was that an intentional kind of thing? Like, did you look at the organization and say, hey, I've got this vision for it and I want it to look like this? Or was it just kind of this thing where, hey, I want to grow a little bit. I want to grow a little bit more. What can we do next? I mean, how what was how did, how did that work for you? Yeah, it was um, to be honest, it was the latter. Um, yeah, something that's common in in uh, in the nonprofit world, actually, I'm, I'm finding. So it was. Um, you know, let me try this out. Um, you know, see what see what the possibilities are. Um, I, uh, you know, we at the time the the organization um, had kind of a decreased interest from from where it had started, and um, uh, and I just thought, well, maybe we can try it. You know, have a few events, and you know, um, you know, see what's possible. And uh, at the time, I um, I think when I started, um, 
I hadn't even really thought about getting nonprofit status with the IRS and that yeah. that sort of thing. Um, that came a, a couple years later, though, as I just as I started, I started reading about it. I mean, really, I had I had taught for nonprofits before, but and I was teaching for several nonprofits at the time, but I didn't really even know what a nonprofit was. Right. So it was quite a learning curve um, for me, and I I just found you know, coming as a, a performer and a teacher and just lo loving creative processes, I was surprised at um, how much I enjoyed this work because there's so much creativity in it. You can take, you can create something out of out of thin air, just something yeah. out of nothing. It's kind of like being a composer, actually. Right. Yeah. You have an idea and then it's just like, well, sure. Why not? Yeah. 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 So at every stage, you know, we've... Um, we started looking at what other guitar societies were doing. And of mm -hmm. course, um, Austin classical Austin, guitar is sure. a role model for all of us. Yeah. And, uh, so we started with a concert series in the, that year, the 20, uh, 2009 to 2010 season, just mostly local players playing for, for free or for almost, almost free. Almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, just built that series up over time. Um, you know, gradually, began building, um, you know, artists of greater stature um, uh, over time. Uh, sorry, stature, I should say. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that became an exciting thing. I think, I think we, I think we met in um, at David Russell's concert. Is that right? In 2013? Um, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was there for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know if that's when we, we met. Cause you know, I, I, I went to school at, at CIM, uh, for my for my master's degree and I've, I've been up and back you know back and forth and had a lot of contact with with people and goings-on at the Institute since since I graduated um, yeah. so I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly when I mean I've known known of you for quite some time so you know that might have been the first face-to-face -face, you know actually yeah. having a chat kind of thing and and uh, so was was that was that one of the bigger concerts for you by that time or had you yeah had you already had yeah, that was our real yeah. breakthrough season. I think that was, oh, I think that was 2014. The, it was the okay. 13 to 14. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we presented Manuel Barueco and David Russell in the same season. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Pinch <Yeah>. me. <laughs> so what what made the difference in terms of finding the funding for that that sort of thing? I mean, I, I can't imagine what what kind of increase in your budget you must have had between, you know, when you got started in like 2009, you know, local folks mostly in small concert series that, you know, to get up to the point where you can, you can hire David Russell and, and Manuel Barwaco on the same season. Uh, yeah. You know, those guys are, they're not cheap. <laughs> well, um, and nor, we got, nor should they be. <laughs> well, the Manuel Barwaco concert was a collaboration with uh, Cleveland Chamber Music Society. Who oh, said, cool. Yeah, they contacted us and they said, hey, do you want to present Manuel Borueco playing with Quartetto Casals, the string quartet? Yeah. And I said, would I? Yeah, <laughs> of course. So we shared um, expenses for that. And oh, that was great. Wonderful. And they're such a well-established organization. I mean, they were they were yeah. huge and rich when I was in Cleveland 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've been around for decades. Um, yeah, and we had just kind of built up our... So the concert series mainly runs on ticket sales. Okay. And we had built that up, you know, over a few years. Uh, we'd had ticketed concerts for 
a few years then, and you know, we took a chance on on David Russell, and you know, people really came out. Even in a snowstorm, they right. came out in force to see him. I think it was 360 people at that concert. Yeah, you know, it was packed. It was it was full. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah. a great environment to hear him in as well. That church, the, the, the church in Sacred Heights, if I remember. Yeah, I remember that correctly. Um, yeah. And just what a beautiful sounding room. And amazing. Like, yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. That was it was great. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we um, we had been looking um, around at what other organizations were doing. And of course, looked at Austin Classical Tar and um, saw their education program. So sure. um, so we began our education program in 2012 and that that became quickly became our biggest program yeah. um, and and the largest source of our funding as well. Oh, fantastic. So so you get you get the funding you get grant money to fund the, the education program and, yeah. and that, that increases your budget for operations. Yeah. 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 Um, mostly for the education program, um, a little bit for international series, um, uh, for some other miscellaneous programs like um, commissioning new works that we're doing now. Um, yeah. And, uh, and also general operating support, just sure um, money that's given to us, to use however we want, just yeah. based on you know the reputation we've built. Huh, that's great. And um, do you think it's the kind of thing where um, people who are or have the sources of funding are more they're they're going to be more motivated to to give to a program that's you know education based and, and community based that kind of thing rather than just say hey we're a concert organization we're bringing this music to your community kind of thing is that would you would you say that's the case? Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, foundations um, and you know a, a lot of donors they want to show that you're making a difference in the right. community, um, and it's a little hard to exactly prove that with just a concert series, right? <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, with our education program, you know, I really feel like we're changing lives in that. Yeah, in that absolutely. Um, how many how many teachers do you have working in the in the education program currently? Uh, so we have. Uh, let me count for a second. So we have about five teachers that are working okay. for us, um, uh, which are uh, anywhere from you know full time to wow. working a few hours a week. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And they go into the schools. Yep. So uh, currently we're at 13 sites. Wow. Um, yeah. All within the city of Cleveland, just where the, where our resources are really needed the most. Amazing. Um, yeah. So we're at, we're at both, we're at mostly schools, but we're also at a few community centers okay. and our future goal, you know, pending getting the funding to do this is yeah. to open up our own site um, oh. as well. So where kids Tremendous. can come to us and, and we can employ them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm really give them the opportunity to take this just as far as they oh, that's, that's that's really really cool um and what what ages are you are you teaching we're, we're mostly teaching the bulk of our students are in the fifth to eighth grade range but okay. we also have some high school students and we have some kids that are younger our okay. our youngest class right now I think is third grade okay very Fun, yeah, and it, it's all classroom-based instruction, or do you doing private lessons as well? We do private lessons as well. So most okay. of our students start 
um, started in the classroom. And from there, we really work to identify the students who are the most talented and the most dedicated, particularly the most dedicated the students who really just love this. Yeah. And uh, those, those students, we then offer them private lessons, um, either in person or online. Um, so our online uh, lessons started uh, during the pandemic. And right. um, though, you know, that was obviously uh, a way to continue our program when when schools closed. Right. But we found that uh, the online lessons also have an additional advantage because we're no longer limited to our location. So kids from anywhere in the city of Cleveland can right. sign up for virtual lessons right. and get get instruction for free. All of our instruction uh, is entirely free. Instruments are free and everything. We're that's amazing. We're, yeah, we're really fortunate that foundations and donors are saying, hey, you know, here's money for instruments. Here's money for teachers. Like, do you, do the, are the instruments given to the, the kids for the, like it's theirs forever to have? We, we mostly loan them out. Um, okay. But when a kid stays in the program for a few years, we give them the instruments. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. That's yeah, great. Once, once in a while, we have someone who will donate like a concert guitar, you know, something oh really gosh. nice. And uh, so we've even given out really, you know, wow. worth a few thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. I just, I just got goosebumps. That's, that's, that's very <laughs> cool. That is so cool. Well, where, where are you sourcing the instruments? Do you have like a, a, a typical source that you use for these instruments? And are they donated or, or are you getting them? Are you buying them for the, the organization? Yeah, we get we get a few donated instruments. Um, we get some, we, we get some donated instruments every year. But um, we can't rely on that, of course, because it's sure. a smaller number. Um, but we we love Kalido Kalido guitars okay. in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Great customer service, everything. Um, I think the biggest order we did uh, with them was in uh, was the fall of 2019, where we had a, a tractor trailer come by and they dropped pallets of hundred guitars. Uh, in my driveway. Wow. <laughs> and we, oh my gosh. you know, deconstructed all the boxing, tune them up, you know, put them in cases and deliver oh, them that's out. Fantastic. Um, that was, that was a pretty cool moment. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, yeah, that's we, so cool. We're ordering, uh, ordering guitars constantly. And how many kids are in the program currently? We've got about 150 kids right now. Okay. I think for the school year overall, we're, um, we're building back up after the pandemic, and I think um, uh, by the end of the school year, we'll be up to 200, 250 or so. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, yeah. that's just amazing. That is that's good for you. That, that That's really, really very cool. And when what year, you probably already said this, what, what year did you start the education program? How long has that been going on? That's, that started in 2012. Okay. Yeah. So it started with yeah. just one class, and... Yeah. Um, and we tried it out and uh, we didn't, you know, to be honest, we didn't um, sort of know what we were doing at the time. <laughs> that, that shouldn't stop people from doing things. <laughs> we had a budget of, I don't know, a few thousand dollars. And it was a, just a really kind of idealistic um, uh, thing that we did. Um, you know, there was a, there was a school that, that said they really needed help and, um, you know, a lot of the Cleveland schools are under-resourced and yeah. you know, kids don't really have uh, a lot of opportunities to play instruments. 
So we we tried it out and you know it was the kids really liked it and and um you know we we quickly learned that here was something really that where we could just make a huge huge difference. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah. that's, that's that's just great. Are you familiar with um the Guitars in the Classroom organization? Have you run across a little bit? And yeah, I spoke to, I spoke to Jess Barron um a couple months ago. Um, about about that she's the executive director of, of guitars in the classroom and you know it's just this idea that I keep running into with talking to different people and Matt Hensley I talked to him it, you know as well a couple weeks ago and uh, and then I just I just did a an interview um, I'm not sure what it's gonna be out uh, mid-December I guess um, with a, a guitarist in, in Iran and apparently um, you know the guitar scene in Iran has just exploded and it's happening in the schools and it's because young people want to play an instrument and guitars are relatively accessible like you can you can find them and get them um they're not as expensive as some other instruments i guess they're portable and, and the kids are just going crazy for guitar you know and i just i keep running into this idea that you know we're we're, we're, we're changing young people's lives and and Hopefully for the better, <laughs> you know, I, I think so. But it's 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 just so cool because I mean, what a, what a great idea and what a simple idea. But you have to think of it, right? You know, you have to have that that thought that oh yeah, I could I could transform lives with the guitar and and how cool is that? You know, and and, and I know for part of it is I think of it and I go well, of course you can. I mean, every guitarist that I know. Um, and myself included, you know, something happened to me when I was young and I was exposed to the guitar and it, you know, con completely changed the trajectory of, of, of what my life might have been otherwise. And so, you know, it's just funny that it's, it's that something that's that, that present and that close to me, but like to actually get it out of my head and think of it in reference to other people that clearly, you know, it's, it's, it's just ironic that that's a, that that's how it goes, you know. Um, but it's I'm 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 delighted. It warms my heart to to keep running into this idea, and it's almost like somebody's knocking on my door saying, "Hey, Carl, pay attention," you know. <laughs> Absolutely, you know the guitar. Um, I mean, and you really you really spoke to this. I mean, the guitar is such a universal instrument, um, yes. crossing really all styles within Western yeah. culture, and absolutely, you're seeing it more and more in Eastern culture culture as well. Um, and it's something you can play, <clears throat> you can play in an ensemble, you can, um, of course, cross, cross styles and play in a band, um, you can play chamber music, you can play solo, so you can really play meaningful music by itself. Yep. And that separates it um, a little bit from the trombone, for example. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not too much song accompaniment for, for trombone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And and like you said, you know, I mean, it's it's inexpensive to start, um, and it's really meaningful to, to so many people. Um, yeah, I had a you know similar experience, you know, learning. I had learned some other instruments as a kid, but when I picked up the guitar as a teenager, um, you know, it really changed my life. I mean, it really saved me. It got me through mm -hmm. some some difficult times when I I just didn't sort of know what to do with myself. Sure. Getting into some trouble uh, a little bit, <laughs> and uh, man, I, I just I don't know what I would have done without it. Yeah, so, I, I I I I feel the same way, you know. And I, I was I always think about it, and I, you know, especially when I was a teenager, 
it kept me out of trouble. I would have absolutely been in a heck of a lot more trouble than, than I was in if I hadn't been so obsessed with practicing and getting better at playing guitar and, and thinking about it all the time, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, I guess I, I'm, I'm kind of an obsessive compulsive person anyway. And, and the way I've always looked at it is like, well, you know, if I'm going to be obsessed with something. The guitar is probably <laughs> relatively harmless. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and don't you think everybody should have that opportunity? You know, the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, when I was, yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, I, yeah, I kind of took it for granted that, you know, we could afford an instrument. Um, you know, we had a place nearby where I could take lessons. It was it was safe to travel to. We had a car, you know, my parents would drive me there every week and, and I didn't have to worry about all that stuff. It was, um, you know, when I wanted a nicer guitar, you know, I saved up for it. But I, you know, that, um, you know, that family support where I didn't need money for to live off of right i i could you know that was all taken care of and and you know i want everybody to have the opportunity yeah that's yeah it's beautiful it's fantastic so where did you grow up i grew up in maryland um oh really suburbs. i really I, yeah. I i grew up in princeton county virginia just just south of of the city so okay yeah i grew up in uh, prince george's and then oh, Oh my gosh! Amazing. Did you did you take classical guitar lessons from anybody in that area? No. Well, um, not until college. Okay. Actually, uh, when I went to I went to Towson University. Oh. Ron Pearl. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because he he um, taught at um, Loyola, and okay. um, but my last semester of college, uh, my teacher was on sabbatical and he filled in. So I studied with him for a semester and he was the guy that, you know, I, I realized, okay, this is for me. I mean, this guy, yeah. Ron really inspired me. And so after college, after my bachelor's degree, I studied with him uh, privately for a few years and I decided, okay, I got to take this to the next level. So I uh, applied for my master's at, at Cleveland Student Music and yeah. ended up moving to Cleveland and, uh, and studied with John Holmquist and Jason Rio and, and oh, you studied with Jason too. Yeah, great. Yeah. What what year did you get there? Because I, I left in 93, 93, 94, Yeah. Yeah, I was in, I was there two thousand to two thousand two. Okay, so yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit after that. Yeah. 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 The, so you you were there in the during the transition years when when Jason had started teaching and and I don't remember exactly when it was that John John left the institute. Um, but I remember that, that period and how, and that was how that was all going down. Um, but you know, from, from a certain perspective, I guess you could look at it and say, you got the, got the opportunity to study with both of them, you know, which is really, I can't, I can't imagine a better situation, honestly. <laughs> That's right. I was, I was really blessed. I mean, John had just such a wealth of knowledge and, you know, he'd pass that on, um, to Jason, of course, because Jason studied with John Oquist, but um, very different, very different teachers. And, and Jason was, um, uh, still in his twenties. And I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really think I thought, you know, we're the same age. And I, I thought, I don't know if somebody my age could really, could really be that great a teacher, you know? So right. I tried, you know, tried some lessons with him. And of course I was completely wrong. <laughs> Um, and he just really taught from just very much from the heart, very much Absolutely. from himself. 
That's 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 who yeah. he is. You know, he's he's just yeah. He's such a generous and just warm and like there's nothing negative in his body. <laughs> you know, he's just so positive and so cheery and just so encouraging about everything. And uh, what a what a joy. You know, I I was talking to um, another another person who was was in school with me there at the same time um, about that and. Uh, you know, because Jason was a student when when I was working on my master's degree, and 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 he I, he played played like a god. He was amazing, you know. And, and it, it it and we we're talking about it. And it's like you know, and and the guy's just the nicest guy on the planet. And on top of that, you know, you, it's it's you know, if if he had been a bit of a jerk, he he it would have been you've been like okay, well, <laughs> he plays like that, so he he can afford to be a bit of a jerk, I guess. But it's so nice that he's not. You know? <laughs> Very, very sure. cool. So, 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 who did who did you study with at, at Towson when you were there? Um, I studied with Mary Claire Ingalls and Michael Jacker. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. And did you did you play classical guitar before you went to college? Uh, no, no. And I, I actually, when I was there, I studied I studied jazz and classical. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I was very good at either. Um, <laughs> Um, until, you know, until I met, until I met Ron and, and yeah. he really, you know, kind of took, took, took my playing to the next level. And then, you know, of course, John and Jason here in Cleveland sure. took it to another level. Great. Yeah. And when, when you, did you start working with the society before you had graduated or? No, no, I, okay. um, it was, uh, well, I, I, well, I was on the, on the board, um, right when it started which was actually right after i graduated okay so you, you were just you're living in cleveland doing some teaching yep yeah yep doing and, a lot of teaching yeah <laughs> and you know, a lot, you know some gigging and concerts and stuff sure yeah and it, did you always did you always plan to stay in cleveland or was that something that happened because you got the society humming and, and figured hey this is a good thing i'm staying here yeah i think um uh, you know, I think I knew pretty quickly, um, at least by the time, at least by the time I graduated that, you know, there's something very special about this city. Sure. Um, just, you know, per, per capita, I think one of the best art scenes in the country. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially for classical music. I mean, I'd I be having the Cleveland orchestra there, you know, it's like, this culture that's just kind of satellites off of that. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know if I fully, I, I appreciated it when I was living there, but I don't know if I had the full measure of, of appreciation for it. Just, you know, being, you know, being a 21, 22 year old kid and being able to go see the Cleveland orchestra for free every week, you know, and I did, I like, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not missing that. Are you kidding me? And just the culture that, that springs forth from that really super well-established in such a, such a high level of, of artistry. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, I, I felt very fortunate to be kind of swimming in those waters, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think we've got it really in, um, in most of the major arts, so, you know, visual arts, theater. That's true. Yeah. The art museum yeah. there is tremendous. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a great place to live. What part of town do you live in? 
Uh, I live in Euclid, so I'm real close to okay. the Okay, yeah. River. Right, there you go. And, and close to the lake, so I can go for a run and, you know, go check out the lake. Sure, yeah. Wonderful place to be. Very cool. Actually, I, I worked the last, I guess, probably about a year and a half um, that, I, that I lived there. And it's part of the reason why I, when I first started teaching in Columbus, I commuted, actually. I would, I would leave Cleveland at really early on Tuesday morning, teach a full day here, and then uh, stayed with friends overnight Tuesday, and then teach a full day on Wednesday and drive back to, to Cleveland like midnight on, <laughs> I'd get back at midnight on, on Wednesday. And the, one of the reasons I did that is because I was working, I had a teaching job also out at Coneyot, uh, at the Arts Center there, like way out on the Pennsylvania border um, that I go to one day a week. And then I was, I was working as a security guard almost full time at the, at the Museum of Art. And it was, it was a well-paying job that I didn't want to give up. So it was, it was worth it for me to stay there and, uh, and you know, stand, stand around and get paid to look at art all day. <laughs> so. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, you know, as musicians, we do a little of this and a little of that, yep, right? Absolutely, yeah. Are you still doing any teaching or any work, um, like regular work outside of what you do with the Guitar Society these days? Yeah, I, um, I've got just a few students, so I, I teach um, very part-time at Cleveland Institute of Music. I've got okay. um, just a few students through the preparatory department, and I teach guitar literature and guitar pedagogy there. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize you were doing that. That's yeah. fun. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, um, I've been teaching those classes since 2004. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah. was that something that, I mean, when you started doing that in 2004, did you, did, was that something that you felt prepared to do or did you have to like really get up to speed? Like, oh my gosh, how, how am I going to do this? You know? <laughs> I, I, uh, um, no, I mean, I was, I was certainly not prepared, um, <laughs> but I, at that time I had more time on my hands and I spent, uh, just, uh, hours and hours and hours, uh, researching yeah. for those classes. Um, you know, when you think about like, I mean, how much you get paid as an adjunct to teach classes. Mm -hmm. I think about the number of hours. <laughs> Don't do the hourly calculation. It'll, it'll, it'll hurt your brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know that for sure. Um, I, uh, but, you know, it was a real labor of love. Yeah, and, of course. Um, you know, pedagogy, I mean, I love both the classes, but guitar pedagogy, you know, the, the art of teaching, um, you know, is something that, you know, I, I'm really passionate about. And eventually I got to really merge those two, those two positions. So um, uh, one thing that I, that as we, as we grew as an organization, I realized, I realized that, you know, we obviously, we needed more teachers and um, most uh, guitarists um, are used to teaching individual lessons right. and they have no idea how to teach in a classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I realized that a lot of the students that come through Cleveland Institute of Music, uh, I, some have teaching experience. You know, obviously I came in with teaching experience having taught for several years between bachelors and masters, but most people are going straight through school. And, and, and I noticed a lot of the students, you know, saying they really didn't have that experience. Right. Um, so pedagogy was a really neat opportunity to, you know, to, you know, um, 
in the in the classroom, of course, you're really talking about, you know, theoretically how you teach and practicing on each other, but it's not the, quite the same. And and I realized that what these students really needed um, was the experience of teaching. So so we started a teaching fellowship through Cleveland Classical Guitar Society. And oh, cool. um, yeah, and so we started um, paying CIM students to do this fellowship, come into the classroom, get that experience, and, and organize it so that um, they would first semester come in and assist one of our one of our master teachers or director of education in the classroom. And then second semester, they flip so that, okay. um, you know, the CIM student would then be leading the classes and be assisted by like a teaching opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it worked, um, worked really well. Um, so one of our, one of those former teaching fellows, Andy Poxon is now a staff member for CCGS and he's an amazing teacher. Um, I don't take all the credit for that, but, <laughs> but, uh, but it was a really neat, um, wow. a neat opportunity. And do all the students in, in the pedagogy class have the opportunity to do that? They all have the opportunity to apply. Um, mm -hmm. Some, you know, um, some, not everybody's interested in it. It's sure. not a good book for everyone. It's not for everybody, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, um, for, for students who are really focused on, I'm going to be the best performer, and that's what I want to do. Ah, it's not such a great fit, but I've noticed that there are a number of students um, who really they want to make a difference in the com community yeah. as well. Not every student, but those that do, you know, are typically a really great fit for this this program. That is that is really that's that's great. What a what a what a cool way for you to bring those two things together, you know, and 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 have have it benefit them have it benefit the organization have it benefit the kids like the whole thing it's just yeah that's great that's really really cool so in in the pedagogy class um you know because i i taught pedagogy when 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 i was doing the college teaching job and honestly i was just making it up as i was going you know <laughs> it was really just you know reflecting on my experience of, of, of having been a teacher for as long as I was and, you know, thinking about what materials were out there, trying to get the students directed in a certain way to think about teaching rather than just like, oh, I'm a guitar teacher. I'm going to go sit and people are going to come for lessons and pay me, you know, like think about how you organize the work and, and your considerations, working with different kinds of people, all those kinds of things. But I didn't, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a textbook per se. Um, you know, the curriculum that I developed for it was again, just really seat in my pants on the fly kind of thing. Um, what do you, do you use any kind of standard texts for, for your pedagogy class or what's the, what's the curriculum for that look like? I do not either. Um, this is a call to anybody out there. If you got one that you love, <laughs> um, but you know, same thing, you know, you, um, develop it as you go along and I've, uh, you know, I teach it about every two, about every two to three years. And every time, you know, it evolves into something new and, and better. Um, but I haven't, um, I haven't found a, you know, a single source that's really comprehensive. Sure. And do you do you stylistically do you focus solely on classical guitar? Or do you do you do you kind of tip the hat over there and say, you know, you you're probably going to end up teaching other styles as well. And here's here's some things to think about with that. Do you do you, do you get into that at all? I I do um, keep it just to classical, but yeah. okay. Um, 
Yeah, I do reference, you know, other styles and the importance of being able to teach other styles. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, there's such a wide uh, variation with with CIM students in terms of their sure. interest in or experience the backgrounds. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So you get, you got some students who just they don't care about that at all. And, and they should, you know. and then, and you have some that have been oh, the luxury you know, of youth. <laughs> yeah. Some that have been teaching at music stores and and you know they've been teaching a lot of pop rock stuff and they're at a, such a completely different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's sort of hard to combine those those things together and make a meaningful curriculum, I think. So right. yeah. you know, I, I I do keep it a classical, but I but I'll say, you know, to students over and over again, you know. <laughs> Keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, you should study, you know, pop guitar too. Yeah. Very, very cool. And so you and all, all of the undergraduates have to take that class? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Required for juniors and seniors and optional for grad students. Okay. And and, and the same thing with the, the literature class as well, right? That's a that's like a NASM regulation, I believe. Yep. Yep. Oh. You got and, it. And and do you do it like every other year, like one year is literature and the next year is pedagogy kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I generally alternate years, except um, CIM is a small guitar department. So right. once in a while, there's a year that I have off. <laughs> just if there's just, not... Just um, how it falls, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do you, what do you, what, what do you use for materials in your, in your literature class? Same thing. I've compiled stuff over the the years because I'm, I start from personally. I start from the Renaissance lute repertoire, which is um, immense. Uh, <laughs> Twenty thousand solo pieces for <laughs> Renaissance lute within a period of just ninety years or so. Yeah. Um, and, and so I start from there and go all the way up to music that's you know written now, basically in the and, course of a semester. In yeah. one semester, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and there's no textbook that I found that yeah. you know even really adequately covers even you know even a, a significant portion of that yeah. you know in a way that that I like that is accurate information and stuff. Maybe there's something out now I haven't been looking at. The, the the James Tyler and and Paul Sparks book on the early guitar is is tremendous, but it's it's limited to really. Um, 16th through 18th century, you know, which is, sure. you know, there, there's a dearth of information about the guitar at, during those times. I, it's, it's like the only source that I really know of that, that kind of makes any effort of being comprehensive about that time. Um, and it's, you know, solely, solely based on, on guitar stuff, but it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty mind blowing. And I have to ask, please tell me in your, in your literature class that you discuss Bartolotti <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so. Oh no! Oh no! You see the on the wall back. It's, it's my, wow! Is that it's it's my shrine to Bartolotti. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> you got to talk about Bartolotti, the most important guitarist of the 17th century. You have to talk about. Him. So, is that right? Now I know yeah, the I, name, but I don't yeah. actually know his music. So so here's here's the deal. In um, his first book in 1640, he was he was working in Florence. And he was he was working for uh, Jacopo Salviati, who was a duke, with ties to the Medici family. Power player, he was you know 
he was he was hanging out hanging hanging out with you know all all the the movers and shakers in the in that culture. Um, so one of the the things about this book that is absolutely completely mind bending is half the book is a set of twenty four pasakayas, and these are not just little you know typical baroque guitar strum one four five chord pasakayas. These are fully just huge flushed out virtuoso works um flushed out not flushed out <laughs> and uh so one in every key every major minor key in 1640 okay i can't find and i've 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 looked i'm not a scholar but i've looked um i can't find an earlier example of a composer doing this um and and the fact that it, it's a guitarist and it's guitar music and it's really sophisticated composition um, I think I think we need to know these things, you know. So and the 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 level of organization in these pieces is is pretty incredible. It starts the cycle starts in B flat minor, which I think is just an audacious thing to say, you know, in 1640. I mean, who else was playing in B flat minor? And then the way that the, they're organized is each of the pasakayas uh, modulates to the key of the next one. So in theory, you could play the entire cycle, you know, from beginning to end. And the, 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 the last one modulates back to the key of the first one. So you could actually start anywhere in the middle of the cycle and play the entire, you know. And if you take all the repeats and whatnot, it's like 90 minutes of music. It's crazy. It's, it's huge. It's such a huge effort. Um, so, yeah, he, that, that was and, and the rest of the music in, in, in that book is from 1640. Um, it was comprised mostly of sweets. And again, I, you know, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a scholar. There might be examples that I haven't found, but I, I, I did some, some searching and looking for this and they're not the first, it's not the first cl comprehensive collection of dance suites, but it's the earliest one that I can find where a composer uses the same schematic for each of the suites. So each, each of these suites, there's six of them. And they, they all start with an Alamon. There are two Courants and a Sarabande. And it's, it's always the same order, Alamon, two Courants, a Sarabande. That's the, that's the earliest example that I can find of that kind of approach as well. You know, the, the, the dance suite was kind of coalescing at that, at that time. And Froberger is um, usually a trip, or usually people say that, that he's the one that did that. But actually, it was a publisher of his that did that after he died. So he, he didn't organize his suites in those, in that typical, you know, prelude, Alman, Courant, Sarabon, Gigue order that, that we've come to, you know, associate with the dance suite. Um, but he didn't even do it. It was a publisher that did it after he was dead. So very possibly, very possibly, you know, the, these two examples, you know, comprehensive, all 24 major minor keys and, uh, and in this idea of a standardized suite, you know, might might have come from this very important guitarist. So, wow. and I think we should know this stuff, man. I think I think it's really, it's it's, and the music's fantastic. It's great stuff. So, um, and then interestingly, and this is just trivia about him. He he got a job working for Queen Christina of Sweden in Stockholm. He went there in 1650, I believe. Um, and she she 
this happened because she had she was very much into whatever you know was going on in in the arts in Europe at the time and the two big things were French music and Italian music so she had an entire troupe of French musicians that she imported to her court in Stockholm and an entire troupe of Italian musicians that that she had and like you know I think about this like She's sitting around one day. I think we'll have Italian music for dinner tonight. Call call the Italians in, you know. And <laughs> I just think it's it's amazing. And he was he was one of those um, one of those musicians. So he would have had the opportunity as well to bump elbows with with the French folks. And uh, and she's a Queen Christina is a very interesting figure as well. But not to not to geek out too much on Bartolotti, but Rene Descartes died in Stockholm. He went to visit his friend, Queen Christina of Sweden, because they, they corresponded and, and talked about philosophy in, in letters and whatnot, and they were very good friends, and he went to visit her in Stockholm, and he had actually ended up passing away there. And I think, did Bartolotti meet Rene Descartes? I mean, what, what an amazing thing that would be, right? So anyway, there you go, Bartolotti. <laughs> Maybe Descartes was so transported by the music, Wander <laughs> on the earth. Bartolotti killed him with his guitar. <laughs> what an incredible story! Yeah, wow. I didn't know about all this. Yeah. And I think you know, it's 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 it, obviously I get really really enthusiastic and very excited about this stuff. But I you know I just think that one of the issues for me is this idea that that somehow guitar is this like fringe player or this this you know. And I, I don't know, I mean, it might be a generational thing too, you know, I'm, I'm old and, and when I was younger, there was, there was, there was this kind of attitude that we weren't accepted in the, in the larger classical music world, right? You know, like we're, we're, we're just different. We're on the, we're on the fringes. We're, and I think that that, you know, thing, things like this, that, that, that I learned about guitarists and, and, uh, historically being active in these echelons of, of the, the society, they, they were, these people were fully integrated in, into that musical culture. It wasn't, you know, they weren't, they weren't fringe players. They were, they were in there. And I, you know, I think part of, part of our attitudes nowadays, you know, is we need to, we need to realize that and say, Hey, wait a second. We're not, we're, we're not on the fringes. We're not, you know, we marginalize ourselves, I guess, is the way that I, I think about it, you know? Um, yeah. So anyway, there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you think of uh, Corbetta and Divisay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, Divisay played in, in, in Louis' bedchambers, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't all sleeping music, but, uh, you know, just to think that, that he had access to the king at that level. I mean, he, he, they're probably just a handful of people that... You know, yeah. we're doing that, you know, and, and I, I apparently, I guess, Louis Fourteenth also played. So, you know, he would have been teaching him. And, you know, that, that's 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 pretty tremendous, you know. So, yeah, yeah I love that stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, which, you know, what do you, what do you think about the that? That's like marginalization or they, I mean, is that something that you run into, you know, working with the students at, at CIM now where? You know, it was it was it was kind of like a just a regular low grade hum the entire time I was in school was, you know, we we felt like in general the guitarists were kind of like 
segregated or looked down upon or something like that? Do you, is, is that something that you think is still present? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, I haven't asked, um, I haven't asked uh, the CIM students about it, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I feel it for sure. Yeah. Um, I think we have to work, you know, work really hard, hard at it. And, um, you know, I, I also don't, I don't necessarily think we're the only instrument that feels that. And I think that's, uh, that's something that maybe we, you know, kind of put upon ourselves. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, you know, we're one of the few non-orchestral instruments, right? you know, so that makes a big difference. And guitar doesn't work well in an orchestra. Generally, <laughs> so. I mean, let's face it, right? Um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, we, you know, if we're in an or orchestra, we certainly need amplification. Right. Um, and, you know, it's this, you know, there's, um, you know, guitar is great in cha chamber music, um, but it's, you know, particular, particular chamber music combinations and yeah. music that's very specifically composed for it. Um, and of course we, you know, the instrument is very difficult to understand how to write for, especially in a solo mm -hmm. context. But, you know, we share that with harpists. You know, sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, as one example, I mean, it's it's quite difficult to learn how to 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 compose for the harp as well. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, it's it's there, but <laughs> yeah, and I I think I think you know it it it's definitely you know it, it's something that definitely exists, but I also think part of it too for us is we have to we have to make sure that we we have our stuff in order too, right? Like if if we. Um, if we want to be quote accepted or whatever, whatever it is that we're we're feeling is lacking, if we, if we want that to be remedied, I think you know part of it is we have to make sure that we're we're up to it, you know that that we're that we're really prepared to step in and say yeah I can I can hang with the big dogs and and do that, um, and I think that's something that definitely I've seen change, you know, in 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 my time, you know, and, and again I've. I, I, I've seen seen a, a new generation come forward, and and it, it's really exciting for me to see that. And I'm sure part of that is, you know, some of the some of the educational opportunities that that young guitarists have nowadays that might not have been around, you know, twenty or thirty years ago, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, you're right. You know, it's it's kind of ironic. Um, something I was just reflecting on is, you know, as you're saying this, is that. You know, it used to be that there were real superstars of the classical guitar, like Segovia and Bream and Williams, and we don't really have that anymore. But there are so many more great players yeah. now than ever before. I mean, there's just the level of education has gotten so high that, you know, there are just lots and lots of great players. And and happening it and that you know happening at a younger and younger age too and this is something actually I've I've, I've had this discussion with so many people, um, you know I going around and, and listening to competitions and master classes and things like this in the past ten years especially um, you know I'm I'm hearing young people people in their in their teens and twenties playing at what would have been considered like a really high professional level when I was their age, you know, I, I, I would go to hear concerts of people who were playing at that level, you know, 
and it's it in one on one hand it's like whoa it's really intimidating and I think wow you know the, <laughs> I'm an old timer that the world has passed by and on the other hand I get really excited about it I think this is this is this is fantastic you know um, yeah and it's it's surprising it's really surprising but yeah again I think you know thank thankfully finally we have. We have some established pedagogy going on. There's been a generation of people who are really teaching at a very high level, um, and it's it's making a huge difference. And I think that's great. You know, absolutely. Of course, we it's all need jobs, job. but <laughs> that's a different that's a different story. But uh, you know, I, well, well, there are there are with us. So I don't yeah. know if this will be the case when this uh, eventually airs. But we're we're hiring. So. Oh, that's there you go. <laughs> all you, all you guitarists looking for a job, go to Cleveland. That's great. What are you, what are you hiring for right now? Just teaching positions? Well, actually, right now, I think we will be hiring for a teaching position yeah. um, uh, in the future, in the near future. But right now, we're hiring for a development associate, which is primarily primarily grant writing, and okay. we're hiring for an events manager, which is running uh, both live and virtual events. Oh, fantastic. Well, there, there you go. We should get your applications in, everybody. <laughs> and those are, those are full-time jobs. Now, I know that by the time that's That's amazing. Airing, that is amazing. Yeah. That's great. How many, how many people are on the staff at the society? Uh, four. Okay, great. Very, very cool. So we'll be up, okay. to, we'll be up to six. So these are new positions then? Uh, sort of. They've been kind of, uh, we had some people that left and they've been kind of reconfigured a little bit. Okay. Gotcha. But, yeah. But that's we're always fun. growing, so. Yeah. No, that's, that's hopefully, yeah. That's, hopefully we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're doing, you're doing some teaching privately. You've got the, the, uh, the pedagogy and the literature classes at the Institute going on. Um, doing some gigging, some playing outside of that. I'm not currently. Um, it's it's been a few years since I've been uh, done gigs and concerts. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that a relief or is that do you miss it? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, you know of course you know of course I miss it. Um, but you know I think for now I mean who knows what the future holds. Sure. But for now I'm I'm incredibly happy doing what I'm doing. I'm so. So grateful just to be able to wake up every morning and look forward to yeah. making a difference. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. That is very, very cool. And you're married? Yep. Do you have any kids? Yeah. Um, my son is six. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does he play yeah. guitar? He is, um, no, he's very musical. <laughs> he, he, he sings um, just very naturally and and he draws uh, incredibly. He draws every single day. He has since oh, he was wow. two or three. And six, my gosh. Yeah, wow. he is. Yeah. And I don't, you know, my wife and I, neither of us draw. So I don't know where he got it from. But he just <laughs> has done it every day for years. And, and he's really great at it. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I don't know if we'll get him started on lessons at some point on an instrument. I don't sure. know. And if we do, I'm not sure what instrument it'll be, but we're kind of waiting to see if he expresses interest. I don't sure. want it to be, um, you know, I, I, I took piano lessons when I was um, at least as young as six, maybe younger, and um, I didn't enjoy them. They were, <laughs> my teacher was, you know, kind of strict, and sure. it just wasn't, uh, it didn't really connect me to the music. 
Sure. And so, you know, whenever we do start lessons, I want them, I want them to be really ready for it and to have a teacher that really brings out his his natural musicality sure, sure. and love of music. That's that's really what we what we do with um, with CCGS in our education program is we're we're really our our first and primary goal is to to develop the love of music rather than to make it um, to make it a sort of a discipline that right. that kids think oh man you know I have right. to do this or you know we we really want to bring out their natural musicality. That's our, our very first thing. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. And you, you, I, I saw something recently. You, you have a student that, that went through your program um, who has been given a, a full ride to Oberlin, right? That's right. So um, Damien Goggins, he, uh, he began with us when he was in eighth grade. Okay. Um, and you know, just graduated from high school and just started, you know, just started college this fall. Um, he so applied. five years, he's he's done some tremendous work. Oh, oh, he has. I mean, this was starting from, you know, the first time touching an instrument, yeah. um, you know, in 2016, and really the first time that he'd had any formal instruction on an instrument, um, and uh, really the first, I think, the first time he really had an, had an opportunity to to, um, to have instruction. His his school didn't have an instrumental program. Um, they had a, a after-school choir, but he had, but they didn't have any instrumental music. And we started a program there on Halloween of 2016, huh. and um, yeah, and 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 he just he just ate this up, and just you know this has been something that you know for him has been you know life-changing, and and for me working with him um, as well. And who would have thought you know everything he's done so far. Um, he got into a fellowship at the Cleveland Institute of Music. Um, he, he got into this with less than a year of playing the guitar. Wow. Oh and my gosh. He that totally graduated. He got into a, the mentorship program with the Guitar Foundation of America. Oh, um, he got into the U.S. Guitar Orchestra that's going to tour Spain next summer. Um, Who's heading that up? Um, it's uh, Cami Rowan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 have not even heard of that. This is the U.S. Guitar <laughs> Orchestra. Is this the first first year that, or has it been around for a while? This is actually the second time. So the first one was before the pandemic, and they they went to France. They toured France. Wow! And so it, it's school it. school age kids, and they audition, and well, it's mostly adults. Mostly is adults. it really okay? Yeah, they do have they do have um, some you know teenagers, but, yeah. but mostly adults. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, a, uh, a new nonprofit from California called Gifted Guitars okay. uh, traveled here to Cleveland and they bought him a concert guitar just a few weeks ago. They bought Amazing. him a Glenn Cannon um, oh, guitar. Wow. Yeah, which is, you know, incredible. So this, they're, that's their mission is to provide um, concert instruments for, for um, young people who can't afford them young people with a lot of talent and he's their very first person that they oh that's got to feel great about that yeah he's yeah. got the full scholarship to oberlin conservatory where he's studying with Varen. amazing um, he's been on national news three times mm. local news uh, a bunch of times wow I'm sure i'm forgetting something he's a pretty incredible guy yeah <laughs> 
Wow. And, and yeah. have, has he been studying with you? Yeah, he um, he began with um, uh, with our former director of education in 2016. And then um, about a year later, he, he became my student. Um, he's whenever we have somebody who's really talented, we we kind of pass them around and everybody sure. contributes and yeah. Kind of talented. But I, what I a was a great honored. opportunity for those young people. That's I mean, that's that's great. That's really yeah. Great. Yeah. And we put all the resources in. So he's had through us, um, you know, master classes with a whole bunch of international performers. Um, but yeah, and I. Um, I helped him with the whole college application process. We sat down um, late. We spent a lot of late nights on Zoom going through, <laughs> you know, logging into, you know, the, the college admissions websites and trying to figure out the whole admissions process and the whole scholarship process. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was, uh, it was a great learning experience for me because it's been a long time since I've applied for college and it's very different now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's extremely confusing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, anybody who navigates that process, you know, kudos to you. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it was, it was so rewarding. I mean, all those hours were just, just so worth it to see, yeah, to see cool. where he is now. Wow. And it, it, is he in his first year or did, yeah, he, yeah. he just went, yeah, this year. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that. I mean, that's 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 great. What a success story! What a great thing! And and you know, just so many lives touched through that that and and that sort of that sort of thing. That's great. That's really cool. And maybe he'll come back and teach for you one day. <laughs> <laughs> I've already given him the offer. Actually, um, he, he already is. Um, so he's oh. sort of. So he's a. Um, assistant teacher for us uh, via Zoom with okay. some of our virtual lessons. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're training him, you know, to, yeah. to be that teacher. And of course, That's cool. yeah, you know, he's the, you know, we're, we're ready to hire him. Yeah. <laughs> but you're talking to Matt Hinsley about the program that they've done in Austin, you know, and, and him telling me about all of the people that, that, you know, are, are now working for Austin classical guitar, um, in, in all sorts of capacities, not just teaching, but, you know, some people on the staff and all this kind of stuff that are like huge success stories, you know, like they, they, they were introduced to the guitar for the first time as young children through their programming, you know, and out they go into the world and, and, you know, and then, and then they're, they're giving back. I just think, wow, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's change the world with guitars. It's about time. <laughs> Put us in charge, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that, that's it. You know, and, um, you know, our program's a little bit younger than theirs. So we're yeah. looking forward to the point when, you know, some of our great students uh, graduate from college and, right. you know, and I'm sure a lot of them will go, you know, for their master's degree. So we have to be patient, but we're going <laughs> to have them come back and yeah. hire them and have them be part of the team. And he was yeah. the other thing he was saying is that they have and because Austin was also a leader in terms of getting guitar programs, curricular guitar programs into secondary schools, um, and he's seen a lot of that too. Where people, the people who are teaching in those programs, are people long term graduates of their education program. And I think what just what a tremendous thing that is because then they're going to have all these students and it just becomes this huge thing that. Uh, 
you know, is, has blossomed and grown and, and creates this larger and larger ever-growing community. And that's, that's really cool. Do you guys have any, um, any ties with curricular models in, in public schools there? Is that, is that something that's going on at all for you? Well, the, um, our, the school district in Cleveland doesn't really have, um, doesn't really have a standardized curriculum across music programs um, or, you know, I should say that um, it's, it's more of a, you know, what they use is more of a general, mm -hmm. uh, general music. And um, I think that's something that maybe they're working on. Yeah. Um, but we've got statewide there, you know, there's been a, a, been a push to get, I mean, guitars is on the OMEA thing now where students can go and be adjudicated and, and, and that kind of thing. And, but it's and I know limited. that there was, yeah, it's very limited. And I know that there's been, there's been a push to, to get guitar education in schools. Um, and when I was, when I was teaching at Otterbein, you know, I was kind of involved in some of that. And, and um, the difference was, is it wasn't, they weren't, they, they weren't focusing on getting guitar teachers into schools. They were focusing on taking band and orchestra and choir directors who are already, and general music specialists who are already in the schools up to speed on some measure of guitar so that they could kind of shoehorn the, the programs in that way rather than, than you know, focusing on um, getting guitar specialists, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a good problem to have, I guess, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's great that they're getting the guitar education into the schools and whatnot, but shouldn't we be having guitarists really doing this, you know, it makes me, makes me I'm sorry, did you mean, are, are you talking about in Austin or Ohio? No, just in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. In Ohio. Okay. Uh, cause it, cause it, you know, there's, there's been a push to get, get those guitar classes going because I think the music education scene has finally seen that, that they can actually inject a lot, a lot more energy and a lot more life into their programs because of the popularity of the guitar. Um, you know, and again, some of the things we mentioned previously about it being, relatively accessible and, and, and portable and all these things and, and, uh, and just very popular. So I, I think there's, there's this interest in using those guitar classes to kind of revitalize some music programs, um, that might, might otherwise, you know, be kind of, kind of shaky, but instead of, yeah, instead of hiring guitarists for, to teach these things, they're, they're retooling the, the current teachers that are already in those positions, which again, you know, I understand the practicality of, of that. And it's a, it's a, it's a great problem to have. It's great that they're, you know, that things are moving in that direction, but there should be, there should be some interest in, in, uh, in getting guitarists to do that sort of, sort of thing as well. So but, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe programs such as yours can, can kind of kind of lean on that a little bit, you know, and you, because you, you've obviously got success, you know, stories to share and you can say, Hey, look, you know, we've, we've been doing this guitar education as an extracurricular, you know, maybe there's a way that that can be tied into curricular models as well. So, yeah, absolutely. That would be, <laughs> that would be great. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Get right on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you don't have enough to do already. <laughs> so. Great. Well, Eric, is there anything else? Do you think we should talk about anything else going on that uh, you want to let people know? What's uh, how 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 was your experience keeping the uh, keeping the series and and whatnot going during the during the pandemic? Was that a was that a rather 
traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had, yeah, so we had really two things. Um, well, I guess three, three, three things that we had to do during the pandemic. One was we had to shift our education program, and we did that. Um, we, we tried out classes. Um, we did. We had a, a little success in classes, but but mostly it came from um, really changing to to one on one lessons lessons virtually, and it worked really well. And uh, doing video projects uh, rather than performances, and right. we got a whole bunch of them that that were really exciting. Um, and then of course we had our international series. Um, which I was I wasn't sure that anybody would want to watch uh, concerts online, but um, well, I'll tell you how many people did. For one of our concerts, we had one hundred thirty-four thousand views. Wow! <laughs> that, now that's oh not typical. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so could I could I sell a one dollar ticket for that event, please? <laughs> well, you know. Amazing, that's a good idea, right? We had we made it optional donations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the one dollar ticket would have would have done wow. us really well. Wow, my gosh! Um, Who was the artist for that? That was Stephanie Jones. She's oh my gosh. a sure, yeah, 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 real rising star and just absolutely. Wonderful yeah. And, our and other, you, just, you, had, you had just like a standard online concert. Was she playing in her living room, kind of thing, or did she? Go, go uh, we actually we've actually been doing pre-recorded concerts um, okay so, so um, most of these concerts are still up um, most uh, most artists have just said hey you know just keep it up you know okay and they, they recorded them and sent them to you yep yep yeah. and then and we helped out with the process did some of the editing and so forth sure. and, and oh, they did wow. a lot of the editing as well how um, many of those did you do we did um Gosh, uh, last season we did seven of them. Wow. Um, yeah, and then this season um, we've got we've got one that's happening between the time this is recorded and when this airs, <laughs> and we'll we'll be doing a few a few other virtual concerts um, wow. like this as well. So we still have most of these are still up on our YouTube channel. Okay. So viewers can 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 go right find Cleveland Classical Guitar Society on YouTube. And, and find those concerts. Is, yeah, those is, have been... Were those artists that you were planning to have in person? And then when the pandemic hit, you said, hey, let's do this this way instead? Yeah, for the most yeah. part. Um, uh, yeah, for the most part, we had our season planned out, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit. And most of those artists, then we moved from what was going to be a live concert to virtual. Um, it, there were some cases like, for example, Duo Noir is this incredible right. duo who the members live on different coasts, on opposite coasts. Oh, that's and true. They no, yeah, together. they do, don't they? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Wow. Oh. And, and they couldn't get together to record. It just wasn't, nobody was flying, you know, just right. it wasn't, um, nobody was traveling. It wasn't, wasn't really possible. So, so we, so they decided, you know, let's, let's wait. So we're actually having them live oh, uh, in March 2022. Um, with an audience, and then, yeah, and then and then it also offered offered up opportunities. For example, Stephanie Jones um, uh, is from Australia, and she lives in right. Germany, I think. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't she wasn't planning on touring the United States, but we had this spot open, and we said, "Hey, you want to do this virtual concert? You don't have to be here anyway." Right. So, uh, great. So it, it really offers up this neat yeah. opportunity for for artists who are in different parts of the world that. Maybe it's difficult to get a visa, right. but you can still present them. 
Sure. And and yeah. are you guys back back on full 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 bore now with prevent presenting events live and, and the yeah. audiences and all that? Yep, we've got our full international series of six concerts uh, happening live. Um, plus, we're adding a few of these these virtual concerts as well. Great. Do you think you'll continue to to do the virtual concerts? Absolutely, as long uh, as there people you go. Them. <laughs> There's a, yeah. another pandemic silver lining right there. You know, I mean, you wouldn't have thought to do that necessarily otherwise, right? You know, it's just like, hey, there's this opportunity. I guess we have to do it this way. Oh, we should keep doing it this way. You know, yeah. Yeah, I w I would not have thought of it. Right. <laughs> Which is 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 so funny because it's right there, right? I mean, the technology is there. We you know people watch YouTube videos every day, and you know, but yeah, you just it doesn't it doesn't cross your mind that like, yeah, this is something that, you know, there's a value added here. It's not just instead of, I think that's, that's a really interesting kind of thing. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. We had another kind of pandemic silver lining, which was we had, we had gotten a grant to bring in two artists in residence, one from Mexico, one from Puerto Rico. And um, we got the grant right before the pandemic. And so then we obviously couldn't have them here. So right. we commissioned them um, and we brought on a third artist in residence, um, oh, Thomas cool. Lippin of Duo Noir. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we had the three of them. Um, we commissioned them to, to write compositions and then we um, recorded them. And um, so it ended up with nine creative, nine uh, works in what we call our Creative Fusion series. Wow. Um, yeah, three of them actually were even recorded with members of the Cleveland Orchestra, where we had these artists in residence. We Amazing. had two of them. Well, we had Ermelindo uh, Ruiz from Puerto Rico. Okay. And Duo Noir fly into Cleveland. And they. this was in uh, April 2021, where things were just starting yeah. to open up again. And they, they, they flew in came to Severance Hall where the, the home of the Cleveland Orchestra and oh they my gosh. recorded these chamber works with members of the Cleveland Orchestra. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. Their, yeah. And that's on our website, uh, which is cleeguitar.org, um, okay. cleeguitar.org. Um, so all, all nine of those Creative Fusion videos are available there. Wow. And uh, amazingly, and this- did that program exist for you? Did that series exist for you before the pandemic or did this nope. was- Wow, nope. you have to keep doing it. You have to keep doing that. That's, that's <laughs> such a tremendous thing. Well, yeah, we, we actually, um, funny you mentioned that. We, um, we thought, hey, yeah, right. We have to keep doing this. Um, so most of those works were for at the professional level. We had students involved in some of them. But um, we really want we really wanted to build representation um, at the student level. So so we have a lot of students that are African American. We have a lot that are Puerto Rican, and there's not enough student repertoire really to choose from. Sure. So we um, so we kept on um, Thomas Flippin and Ermelinda Ruiz, or actually brought them on again um, for a program called Composers in Residence, where they're writing student wow. works. That's and, so uh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there's so much good about that. You know, it's like, first of all, you're, you're providing residencies for working artists. Second of all, you're promoting chamber music. You're promoting new music. You're, you're, you're answering to the, the, the cultural needs of your students in terms of, hey, here's a professional that looks like you, you know, and dealing with that. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, that's keep doing it, please. Keep doing that program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So we've, um, these are um, not publicly available. The scores aren't yet publicly available yeah. because we want to have our students have the sure, opportunity. Sure, of course. Yeah. First. But Thomas Flippin's set is called 14 Etudes on the Music of Black Americans. So wow. they're... So he, this was an idea he had, and he had had this idea for years and never really um, had he the chance. He is on my list it. of people to talk to, and he just <laughs> yeah. got moved up to like the first on the list. Of, he's going to be the very next person I contact to to, to talk on the. Absolutely fascinating, fascinating person. <laughs> so these, each of these etudes. So his idea was, let's take African American spirituals and use those as the kernel for guitar for a whole new set of guitar etudes. And so that became the Love 14 it. youths Love music of Black Americans. And then Ermelindo Ruiz um, wrote a set called Memories of Cleveland okay. um, slash Recuerdos de Cleveland, the Spanish show. <laughs> <laughs> like one Spanish word we could talk know, right? Recuerdos. Um, anyway, so that's a Note set to self, of- write a piece called Recuerdos as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a that's a set of, um, of of student works which are you know just designed to connect um, you know our students who are from Puerto Rico or just yeah. students who are interested in music of Puerto Rico um, at a at an entry level. Fantastic! Oh my gosh, that is that's exciting stuff. That is really 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 cool. Man, you're doing it. You're you're, you're doing great stuff there, man. It's 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 very impressive. Thanks, Carl. Well, I'm following you too, man. I mean, you're, I, I just love everything you're doing and, and kudos on this podcast too. I mean, you know, like, again, that's, that's kind of one of these weird things that sprung forth from the pandemic, you know, like it's, it's become a cliche now actually, like, you know, about the pandemic. Did you start your podcast? You know, <laughs> And it was, it was, it was a couple things coming together. You know, I, I had some, some people, younger people than me. Um, I, one of them is my, my assistant and then a former student of mine who started this unbelievably successful podcasting, hosting company. Um, you know, it's amazing. Like it just in a couple of years, like he's, he's been so successful and, and I, I, you know, when my assistant said to me, Hey, Carl, you need to start a podcast. I think I said, literally, what's a podcast? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so they, they had been bugging me for a long time to, to do something and, you know, getting, getting some more time on my hands because of the pandemic and, and, uh, getting familiar with using zoom and all of the, that mucky muck. Um, you know, it just kind of, it's like, okay, yeah, I guess now's the time to do this. And it's been fantastic. It's been so much fun. Just, you know, reconnecting with people that I haven't seen in a while, talking to people, meeting new people, hearing about all the exciting stuff that's going on out, out there in the world. I mean, it, it's like this beacon of, of hope, you know, it's been really, really great. And there've been, a, there's been a couple of days too. It's funny. And this is not one of them, by the way. Um, but there's been a couple of days where, you know, I'm really busy. I'm really tired. It's like, Oh, I wish I hadn't scheduled this for today. And I'm really in a kind of a crummy mood. And I, you know, get on the, get on the zoom to, to record the podcast. And by the end of it, I'm just so amped up and so excited. And like, you know, just, this is great. Every time, every time I talk to somebody, it's just been been fantastic it's been been wonderful so and i appreciate really appreciate you being a part and and 
telling us about all the exciting things you got going on there and some of the, the background on that. And I think, uh, and I, I, I say this a lot, but I, I, I think I mean it a lot too. I think we should get you back on here in a while, see, see how things are going after some, some time has passed and, and revisit some of the projects that you're, you're, you've got going on there. And uh, Oh, I sure would love that. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure, Carl. Thanks so much for talking with me. Yeah. Pleasure is all mine, I'm sure. So thanks, Eric. Thank you. This is Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. <laughs>